Congratulations! You found it! The most inappropriate book club you never knew you were missing! Starring the original book divas Martha Steele and Vonnie Golden. And also featuring Megan Runyon, YA superfan. Keith Steigert, Uber reader and romance junkie. Pat Greiner, she has the head of an English major and the heart of a sci-fi nerd. These people are passionate about books. Maybe a little too passionate. Plotting world domination one book at a time, they are three book girls. What would it be called if you're getting perks by having sex with the author? Business as usual. Um, (laughs) The car business. Hollywood. Radio. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All of the above. What are you eating? Chocolate animal crackers. Oh. And you know what's even better? If you put pants on them. With frosting? No, with uh, white chocolate. You put white chocolate pants on them and then dip the pants in peppermint bits. So then they have Christmas pants on. You know what I made two <laughs> days ago? What? Batch of moose balls. Ooh, moose balls. <laughs> moose balls are so What the hell good. is that? Moose balls. They're, they're chocolate moose balls. It's, it's moose with a U and two S's. They're like little bite-sized chocolate moose. Yeah, because if it was yeah, an actual cookies. moose ball... That bad boy would be bigger the, than the ones I make and the not size, nearly as tasty. The yeah. size of softballs, maybe? I don't know. How how big are moose balls? You know, I watched that show or on TikTok, Chef's Reaction. I think you've seen those too, Keith, right? Uh-huh. He had a video on there the other day that somebody took actual testicles and cut them up and poured and made it into like chocolate bark. So it was like testicle chocolate bark. It looked disgusting. There's no way. I mean, even if it was regular meat. Chocolate and meat don't go together. Hold on. That freaking house phone is Hold on. Yeah, bacon and chocolate is good. Bacon chocolate is good. But somehow I'm thinking balls don't taste like bacon. If balls tasted like bacon, oral sex wouldn't be that bad. (laughs) (laughs) We're talking about bacon sex. Did I miss out on part of that conversation? (laughs) Yeah, I think you did. Because that sounds delicious. (laughs) two of my favorite things together is there chocolate also involved because that'd make it a real real i mean bacon and chocolate bacon is the only kind of meat you can have chocolate with so me and pat what what else me and pat agreed on what else mole sauce is chocolate and that's like served with all sorts of like um latino dishes oh i've never had mole but it's not doesn't taste like chocolate it tastes like it does i think no it tastes like spices and whatnot but do they pour it over balls well no because i don't know they're not crazy i mean why would you pour it over only a second even... puts chocolate on testicle i don't see the obsession with people eating testicles I well mean... it, it runs you know what think about it okay think about no, all of the legends about male virility that are attached to the eating or some in some way using the testicles of other animals. Bull semen, bull balls. Rocky uh, Mountain oysters. Shark testicles, tr- shark penises. I have never in my no. life had anybody suggest that I eat any of those things. It's not a Western philosophy. Not a Western it, philosophy. You could probably find that in is it an Asian still market. a philosophy, or was it like a philosophy no. five hundred years? No, ago? It I'm still dead is. serious. It you can is. walk into an apothecary shop in 
any of the major Asian cities and find the bits and pieces of every known animal that will be used for some kind of thing. They're still killing rhinos for powdered rhino horn because they think that's medicinal. Mm. Well, that and they're still catching and cutting off the fins for sharks because fin tails. Shark fin soup. Well, that's supposed to be a delicacy. (laughs) Well, and it's supposed to be like a sign of virility, isn't it? Because they serve it a lot at weddings. Um, Possibly. I know it's very expensive. I could be wrong about that, but I thought that I read that somewhere. You very well might have. I just don't remember. I just get hostile about shark fin soup. Yeah, me too. I mean, I get hostile about all of it, but that one in particular makes me hostile. Because it's just cruel. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. You basically just let them drown. It's horrible. Well, wow. let's change the subject then. Let's to happy s- topic. To it's the end of the year. <laughs> it is the end of the year. And, you know, at the end of the year, we always talk about things that will make our year begin more fortuitously. Yeah. Is does that, does, does anybody here do the uh, black eyed pea thing? No. No. Where you eat black eyed peas. I mean, I don't do it, but I know of it. Usually what I do to bring on a great new year is to talk about all the books that I loved the previous year. (laughs) But you do that every other day of the year, too. Yeah. I don't think I have anything that's like... I try to pick a resolution that is realistic (laughs) that I'll do. And the resolution that you chose last year, did that come to fruition? I don't think I made one last year. Because I was like, we don't know what 2022 is going to damn look like. I'm not putting anything <laughs> like on paper. <laughs> but I have a few things brewing of possibilities for 2023. The way I look at any kind of New Year's resolution is if you speak it out loud, then you ruin it. So you can have a resolution. You just need yes. to keep it to yourself. <laughs> and that and way, I actually do it later. You can say, because I resolved to do that. And if you screw it up, you just don't have to mention that's it. That's exactly right. <laughs> it all works out so much better if you don't have people going, hey, how's that resolution going? Uh... <laughs> or you just make your resolution like extremely vague yeah. so that it's not a strict particular so thing. I resolved not to kill anyone this year. Not that's, to, a, that's a good yeah, one. See? see, there you go. Yeah, that's that's a good like, resolution, Keith. <laughs> my resolution is going to be try to be more green. So that's like, a good one. Use that less could... plastic. And I mean, I could basically just eliminate one water bottle a week and still be more green than I am right now. <laughs> so see, I could take that as far as I wanted to or as. <clears throat> yeah, that's, my, a, my. that's pretty good. As for me, I don't have any resolutions this year. I heard a depressing thing about trying to do the right thing in in terms of being green this morning on NPR, which is my source for everything. They said, if you use cloth tote bags to go to the grocery store instead of plastic grocery sacks, Uh because it takes so much more in the way of resources to create the cloth bag instead of the plastic bag, you would have to carry and use every cloth tote for 19 and a half years before (gasps) it actually offsets the plastic. Okay, well, I've had some of mine for about 15, so I'm almost there. You're almost there, Megan. (laughs) What about the ones that are made from recycled plastics? Mm, No, they didn't address that issue. Well, that's true. Because, you know, you're taking something that can't be recycled, basically, in the past hadn't been recycled. They take that and turn it into something new that you then use. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I bought myself a set of plates to leave at my office because I got tired of wasting like styrofoam all the time in the cafeteria. Mm -hmm. And I was like, why don't I just bring a damn plate? 
I already have a bowl and silverware. That's what we I do. Just, we have a yeah. we have a whole kitchen. Of course, I'm the only yep. one that uses it. We even have a dishwasher, <laughs> and people still use paper and plastic. Uh, you want to hear something else crazy that I heard hmm. this year on the news? I I think it's probably like the World News or Good Morning America or something like that. But gift cards are actually bad for the environment. It's not the gift cards themselves, but when they make the gift cards, it creates like toxic waste. So gift cards are bad for the environment. So they were saying if you wanted to be more green this year, instead of giving like plastic gift cards, do like e-gift cards or Hmm. paper gift cards. I got someone a Starbucks gift card the other day, and it is paper and recyclable instead of plastic. See, so somebody's thinking ahead. There you go. That's pretty cool. Well, I'm killing the freaking earth this year. (laughs) Gift cards for everybody. Damn, I bought a lot of gift cards. Gift card for you and a gift card for you and a gift card for you. Yeah, well, see, I've always done a lot of gift cards because if I don't know what to get somebody, I just, you know, get a gift card to somewhere that I know they like to go so they can just pick out what they want. Well, now I know that, you know, my New Year's resolution when I'm going to be more green next year for Christmas instead of gift cards that are plastic do paper like starbucks or e-gift cards or or just give them cash <laughs> that too there you go or just money because who doesn't like money money is true money's pretty awesome that's true yeah i like money money to buy books <laughs> that's the perfect gift boy i had a hard time in my christmas shopping and went into a bookstore and was like i can't shop for me <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's my problem too, which is why I don't or buy you books make your for list. other people. You make the list and you're like, after Christmas, I'm getting myself this and I'm getting myself this. <laughs> when I get my gift card from the bookstore, I'm getting this and this. And this. Although most people don't buy me books anymore because, yeah, I already well, have too many. Yeah, it's kind of hard to buy a book lover books because you don't know what they have. Yeah. I need to go through the Pop Sugar 2023 reading challenge and make my like reading plan for the year. I'm like, sure. I'm gonna read what I want, damn it. Well, I mean, I read what Pop I want, sugar. but I look to see what I know I need to read anyway and then fit it in like to one of the categories. Yeah, but I like to reread stuff way too much. Yes, yeah, if I, I knew what category I wanted, I was like, what book have I read that has this category? I think in I'll mind? reread that. Yeah. You I'll can reread. It's no, there's no rule that says you can't reread. <laughs> it just has like whatever you're reading, you just slot it in. It's interesting because some of the prompts take you outside of your comfort bubble. So it kind of forces you to look at different books. Yeah, say it all like that. Yeah, Megan, <laughs> Megan needs to be shoved outside her comfort bubble, though. No. Hey, the Christmas book I reviewed last week was she was 30 something i forgot to say that when i reviewed it i just thought about it <laughs> i was like it wasn't ya it wasn't new adult it was like just straight up fiction so hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so now we need to figure out our top books of the year for oh, 2022. it's so hard i you know what i at the same time look forward to this episode and dread it with every fiber of my being every year that's because we make martha be held accountable to five and she always wants to cheat. I don't like being put in a box. Too bad. I'm going to put something in a box. <laughs> a dick in a box. <laughs> I'll never look at a blow up Olaf lawn decoration the same way. Again. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? And the funny thing is when I found that on TikTok and anyone who doesn't know, I reposted something to our chat group that was Olaf with a 
strategically placed package in front of him and the wind was blowing. Present. Yeah, present. Okay, thank you. Gift box. <laughs> and the package. funny thing is, is I had just listened to that song, Dick in the Box, by, I can't think of who sings it. Justin, Justin Timberlake. Timberlake. Oh, Justin Timberlake, but there's a name. Yeah. The Lonely call. Island did it. There you yeah. go. That's hilarious. Yeah, that's pretty hilarious. I like I'm like find. infatuated with the Lonely Island. Like the children know that they do one and it's um Michael Bolton is coming in and they're rapping and they're doing this real serious stuff. And then all of a sudden Michael Bolton starts singing about the Pirates of the Caribbean. Yes. And it is so freaking funny. I look those up all the time. They're they're hilarious. They're funny. You want they a have good one laugh. called I Just Had Sex. I really like that one too. And they're mm -hmm. just bragging about their sex and the women they're having the sex with are just like <laughs> You need much. to look up the Lonely Island on YouTube. Their songs are hysterical. I mean, they okay. wrote Dick in a Box. Yeah, I guess we better look it up then if it's if it's gonna make us chuckle and take us into twenty twenty three in the proper mood. And we'll look. Up. I mean, that would be a good thing to watch while you're ship sipping wine. Well, I'm shipping. Well, I'm shipping while wine. Shipping, shipping wine shipping my wine. way. <laughs> Sounds like a DJ. I'm shipping some wine. I'm shipping something. <laughs> All right. Should we should we have Bonnie start? Okay, Bonnie. No pressure, but you are the first. I, my Apple Watch is being an asshole, or not my Apple Watch. My fitness is like you are not closing your ring today. Please get up and move. Well, I guess you better jog in place. I was going to say, um, I think it's about time to give that to the neighbor's dog. Oh, can you hear that fucker barking right yeah. now? Because I'm... You want to hear something great about my Apple Watch? With all my sneezing and my coughing, it thinks that I'm exercising. <laughs> so, like, I've already closed my ring and it's almost back down to the middle part again. Oh, my God. I don't even have the Apple Watch. It's just they have the fitness app. But I'm about to feed this neighbor's dog something. A lot of pot, maybe, from the street up the way that always smells like NyQuil. Pot. Yeah, NyQuil. Something. NyQuil. Give him some NyQuil. Anything. When I think he can, like, hear me, so, sort of. He's like, hey, Megan. He's literally right here. Like. Probably. He probably can hear you. Yeah. I mean. And I want to fucking punch that dog in the throat. He <laughs> hears us laughing. Yeah. Well, and he can't, he's as far down the fence as he can get, because, like, the fence doesn't come all the way down this far. Uh-huh. Or he's in the garage. Normally, I just open the back door and I yell, shut your fucking dog up! And then the dog gets taken inside. Shut up! <laughs> Happy holidays, neighbor. <laughs> okay, so it's going to be no surprise to anyone at all that I'm going to start my first book with a nonfiction, because I am the resident 40 to 70-year-old man reader. And A Higher Call that I reviewed just a couple weeks ago by Adam Makos. I'm going to pick that as one of my top five for the year because it was just so enthralling. I was so sucked into the story of the fighter pilots. I don't know. It was just really good. I really liked it. And I liked the fact that it gave a German perspective of the war and not a European. So that's going to be my first one. And my second one kind of goes back to our conversation earlier, and it's also a nonfiction. It's The Outlaw Island by Ian Urbina. And I can't remember how long ago I, I did this one, but it's the story of this journalist who goes on 
all of these fishing boats from different countries and just the horrid conditions and how it's almost like slave labor on these boats. They trick these people into going to these boats and then they're out to sea and they can't get back home and they don't hardly pay them. It's just awful. And they do a lot of illegal fishing like shark fin soup. And it was just one of those books that just drew me so far into the story that it has made me look up my seafood before I buy it to make sure it comes from ethical sources because I don't want to be supporting that kind of behavior. The next one is a historical fiction, but not a nonfiction. And it is one that I did on the live show. It's called The Pull of the Stars by Emma Donahue. And this is one of those books that was unexpected. By reading the previews, I didn't know if I was really going to like this book. And it's one that I really loved. And it's uh, set in Dublin, Ireland, 1918, during the flu pandemic. And it's about a nurse who works in a maternity ward. It was really great. It had a strong female lead, which I like because, you know, I am female, even though I read like a man. So that's my third one. My last one that I was going to mention is another historical fiction, Eternal by Lisa Scottoline. This is more towards like a romancy kind of book, which is different than what I usually read. So I enjoyed kind of reading about that for a change. This is one that is kind of about a love triangle. It's set in Italy during World War II. I think one of the things I loved about this book is that these three very different people were such good friends at the beginning of the book. And then their relationships changed. And it was a very natural way that it changed. It wasn't forced, if you know what I mean. I think everybody's read books where it seemed like there was like this leap into a different relationship. And this one had a very natural progression. I like that. And it's historical fiction. World War II. You know, I love those books. And I just thought it was a great book. I think anyone who likes historical fiction and romance would definitely like this book. And that, again, is Eternal by Lisa Scottoline. Okay, so I'll use this one as my last one, which is a very different kind of book for me. And it was The Book Eaters by Sunny Dean. This was one of my Halloween reads that I did not think that I would like because it's fantasy, very much fantasy. But it was said enough in the real world that I could go along with it. I was so sucked into this story and I thought it was awesome. And it just, it touches on a lot of real world issues. And I thought it was just great. I think anyone who likes fantasy novels would really love this book. I don't think it's really a YA, Megan. Sorry. There's not a lot of sex in it. There's a lot of violence. It gets a little gory at times, but it was great. I loved it. And I'm really surprised that I liked it. One of the reasons why this made my list is because of how surprised I was that I liked this book. (laughs) And that's my five. I tried to go fast. All right. Keith, you're up next. Okay. My five favorite books of this year. Um, The first one is the only one that I didn't review on the podcast. And it's called Paris Dalencourt is About to Crumble by Alexis Hall. Let me just tell you, I read four books by Alexis Hall, and I would have liked to have put every one of them on my list. But this was my favorite. It was the second in a series, but it can be read as a standalone. And it's in this series of a baking show. So it's very, very much like Great British Bake Off. I mean, it's almost, you know that that's what they're talking about. 
there are two gay contestants and one of them has really terrible anxiety. So Paris Court is our main character and his parents are garbage people who are very famous. So he's very rich and he doesn't work. He is a university student and he enters this great British bake-off kind of show. And he doesn't enter himself. He's entered by a friend. So he's kind of forced into the spotlight and he hates the spotlight. And he really has crippling anxiety, but he doesn't know that that's an actual mental issue. He just thinks he's a terribly awful person that is just frightened of everything and that doesn't react well to the things that happen in his life. His parents are completely missing from his life. He texts them throughout the book, letting them know that he is on this huge show and that he keeps winning challenges and they don't respond at all because they've pretty much just written him out of their lives. And he meets this other young man who is completely opposite of him. He is very charismatic and he has this amazing family and he is very confident and they try to form a relationship but Paris's anxiety really kind of ruins everything because it's just really hard to keep bolstering him. It's just very hard on his friend. It's really amazing though. It's just about him trying to be in the spotlight, him trying to make relationships, make friendships because he really only has one friend who lives with him basically. It's just a really, really great look at how crippling anxiety can be and how tough it is to recover from that, but that you can. And it's just a really lovely story about the relationship between these two men as well. My second book is called Lessons in Chemistry by Bonnie Garmus, and I reviewed it pretty early this year. And that book is just a really awful look at this amazing woman who is very, very intelligent and is a chemist and is pretty much forced out of her job because she's a woman and because the men are all asshats and don't think that women should be involved in science. So she turns everything on its ear by hosting a cooking show, which women can do because that's what women do, they cook. But while she's doing the show, she puts all these tidbits and she teaches all these housewives all about chemistry because there's so much chemistry in cooking. And it was just a really awesome, I mean, it made me want to throw the book half the time because the men are just complete jerks and she has to go through so much to get where she is. But it was a really amazing book. Another favorite was The Unsinkable Greta James by Jennifer E. Smith. And that was a really great look at a woman and her father. Her mother has passed recently and she has never really had a very good relationship with her father. And he has booked a cruise for their anniversary, but she's no longer alive to take it with him. So the daughter goes with him. And because they're stuck on this boat together, basically, they have to muddle through and confront a lot of the issues they've had throughout the past. And it's just a really great look at a dysfunctional family and how they kind of get through that. Another favorite of mine for this year was The Accomplice by Lisa Lutz. Lisa Lutz just writes amazing 
amazing, suspenseful books. And I often think I know where they're going to go, and then they go in a totally different direction. This book was about two very good friends who throughout the book, and who are married to different people, and throughout the book, you think they're so close that everyone thinks that they're having an affair. And when you find out what is really happening, you get kind of thrown for a loop. And my last favorite of this year, I reviewed not that long ago, and it's called Before I Let Go by Kennedy Ryan. It was a really angsty look at two people who are really great friends, were once married, and are since divorced. But they're divorced for all the wrong reasons, basically. They have a tragedy happen, and the way they deal with grief is just very different. The wife really struggles and really has basically a mental break because of this terrible thing that happens in their lives. And he has a really hard time dealing with it. So she divorces him because she figures that that is the best way to let him have his best life. And I cried throughout pretty much all of the book because it's just, it's heart-wrenching. They both still love each other, but making their way back to each other is just really, really tough. And yeah, those were my five favorites for this year. Awesome. Pat, would you like to be next? Sure. So I did mine by categories because otherwise I'd have three Louise Erdricks and two Margaret Atwoods and we'd be done. But- <laughs> <laughs> Who, you never. No way. <laughs> So my first category is nonfiction books. And of all the nonfictions that I read this year, my favorite was The River of Doubt by Candace Millard. This was the story of Theodore Roosevelt's journey down the tributary of the Amazon River. And a very good true life adventure story. All kinds of things that I didn't know about Roosevelt, about history, about South America. It was just very informative, very interesting from a number of different perspectives. And Candace Millard is a wonderful writer. She tells the story in such a way that it never bogs down, keeps it very interesting. It moves along. And so that's River of Doubt by Candace Millard. Then we go into my sci-fi category. And my favorite one there for this year was Children of Ruin by Adrian Tchaikovsky. And this is a book about the far future in which human beings are no longer the only sentient species. Two other types of life have been what they call uplifted, brought up to full sentience and intelligence. And they are spiders and octopi. If you are familiar with the book that precedes this one, Children of Time, that's when humanity encounters the uplifted spiders and you find out how they got uplifted. At the end of that book, they get a message from across the galaxy, a signal, and they don't know who it's from or where it's from. Well, in Children of Ruin, you find out that it's from the solar system where the uplifted octopi ended up. And so the spiders and the humans join forces to go and visit the octopi. And a lot of this book is about the difficulties of communication between societies that have fundamentally different assumptions about what's important, what you need to communicate, what you can assume, and what you have to specify. 
So there's a lot of various sentient creatures learning to adapt to and communicate with other types of life, which I found was really interesting. It's a long book, but it's well worthwhile. Then let's see, in the thrillers and suspense category, my pick is Billy Summers by Stephen King. Oh, that was so good. I agree. It's a new direction for him. No horror, nothing supernatural, not even a little time travel. It's a factually, it's not factual, but it's a believable novel. It's all things that could happen. Billy Summers is an ex-military man who has become a hitman. And in the story in this book, he's trying to carry out a job and he ends up through a variety of circumstances with a teenage girl that he has become responsible for. And she travels with him. It's about him doing the job and her growing up a little bit and learning to fend for herself. The relationship between the two of them is fascinating. There's a lot in which King delves back in flashbacks into Billy Summers' military time and how that influenced what he has become. You wouldn't think that you would like a hitman a whole lot, but I liked Billy Summers as a character. Again, Stephen King is a darn good writer. He kept his story fascinating from beginning to end. That's the thrillers and the nonfiction and the sci-fi. So I have two picks in the literary fiction, the everything else category. One of them is Shalimar the Clown by Salman Rushdie. This was a book about Pakistan in large part. The character of Shalimar the Clown originates in Pakistan and because of things that happen there, he has a grudge that he carries and holds on to for decades before he finally brings it to a conclusion. It was an interesting book because I knew almost nothing about Pakistan and about the culture. And honestly, the impressions that I did have are probably entirely erroneous. They are largely based on the fact that I think of it as a war-torn country and as a place where really nothing much positive happened. That, If you had asked me before I read this book, that would have been my impression of Pakistan. Rushdie makes it into almost a paradise. I think that's because he's writing about a Pakistan that may not exist anymore. Pakistan before it's become a war-torn country. Because what ruins a lot of this idyllic life that he describes is the conflict between Pakistan and India, which goes back a while. It's a peon to a past way of life, but he writes it so beautifully and he makes the people and the countryside come so alive. It was just transfixing. That's Shalimar the Clown by Salman Rushdie. And then just cheating a little bit, because my fifth book is a trilogy. It's the Justice Trilogy by Louise Erdrich, which consists of The Plague of Doves, The Roundhouse, and La Rose. I reviewed two of them. Martha has reviewed La Rose in the past. Again, a set of books that brings a particular spot in time and a particular culture to life so vividly. In this case, an Ojibwe reservation and the nearby town in North Dakota between about 1900 and current times. Just an absolutely wonderful set of books and also books that you do not have to read as a trilogy. You can read any one of them independently and they stand alone just fine. But if you read all three of them, you see all the interweavings and all of the connections that pass around there. So that's my top five and a half. <laughs> well, technically. <laughs> see, I'm not the only cheater on the group. <laughs> all right, Megan. You see who follows directions in this podcast. 
All right. So in no particular order, because I don't plan that far in advance. My first pick is also the first book I read in 2022. And it's If This Gets Out by Sophia Gonzalez. And this is what was affectionately called the Larry book Um. by all of One Direction fandom that are also book people. Uh, This was the boy band and two members of the band uh, were in a secret relationship and they couldn't be out because the management wouldn't let them because, you know, all the teenage girls have to want to date you. And if you come out of the closet as gay, the teenagers won't want to date you and you'll ruin your career and all your best friend's career. So I loved it. It was fabulous. There were so many Larry references in the book that I made a whole TikTok about it because I kept finding them. It was amazing. And it was great and well worth the wait for it to finally get to me at the beginning of the year. My second one is The Love Hypothesis by Allie Hazelwood. This book was just so fun. And yes, it started off as Kylo Ren and Rey fan fiction. And I'm here for every minute of it. This is the one you had the student. Yeah, she was a doctoral student. And then she kind of ends up fake dating her professor, but more of an advisor. It's not a creepy relationship. (laughs) It's more of an advisor. And then real feelings start to happen. And, you know, there's all those kind of things. And it was just super fun. And I loved it. And I have the second one by Allie Hazelwood to read later. And I'm excited because they're great. My third choice is My Policeman by Bethann Roberts, which I reviewed not that long ago because the movie just came out and the book was so good. It would never have been a book I probably picked up off the shelf by itself if it hadn't been associated with Harry Styles and it being a great movie. And it talks about three friends and two of those friends get married, but the third friend is in love with Tom. The two men are in a secret relationship and it just talks a lot about how they couldn't come out because it was the 1950s and Tom was a police officer and you hear the story from Tom's wife's perspective, you're from Patrick's perspective and it was just a gut-wrenching book to read and the movie is just as good. So if you haven't watched the movie, you should because it's phenomenal and the book is also amazing. So read it. My fourth choice is The Royal We by Heather Cox and Jessica Morgan. And this is the uh, American student goes to Oxford and ends up living in the same dorm as the Prince of Wales. And they have kind of a secret relationship. They're just starting to get to know each other and what that looks like to date and someone in the royal family, especially someone who is the heir to the throne and what all goes into the system of dating a royal and the struggle against the... It's not really a patriarchy because they're still a queen, but against the traditions of the royals. And it talks a lot about her struggles and his struggles, and it was very good. I really liked it. And you know there's some drama that happens because in the beginning you already are being told, we're here now, but we're going to go back and tell you the whole story. So you know that... There's drama that happens leading up to the possible wedding between the two main characters. My fifth book is The Keeper of Night by Kylie Lee Baker. And this book was really different. It was really cool. It's set with a British Asian main character. And she is basically a Grim Reaper. And she is always fighting with the other Grim Reapers because she's not fully the same as them because she's part of two different worlds, so to speak. 
and it's her journey of trying to find out who she is and how she fits into the world. And I wish I could remember names, but I didn't write them down. So <laughs> it was just a really cool journey. And you got a lot of different cultural information. And it was a fun read. I liked it a lot. I got it in a book box, even. I don't think it was one I picked up. I think it was one that was just sounded cool in a book box. So I bought it. So those are my top ones for 2022. Well, last but never least, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> I get to say that because I am last. All right. Let me just start out by saying that I read 20 five-star reads this year. And I'm not going to talk about all of them because seeing a stink <laughs> eye coming across there. Because you would be murdered. Yeah, I know. When you got home. You don't want to know how many five-star reads I have. <laughs> Keith probably has everybody beat on that one. Okay, so I did choose five, and I just basically, they are in order of when I read them. So the first one I chose is called We Are Watching Eliza Bright by A.E. Osworth. And this is a book that affected me so deeply because it's about a woman who is in the tech business and she is sexually harassed at work and she turns in her coworker and then they all turn on her and they put her address on the internet and they hound her. I mean, the harassment that happens to her is absolutely abysmal. And I loved the book because I've heard of this sort of thing happening before about people getting doxxed. But I guess I never really understood how awful it would be until I read this book. So, I mean, I would recommend that to anybody who is curious about how quickly the internet could ruin your life for something so innocuous. Because when somebody sexually harasses you and your workplace is toxic, you turn them in. That's how it works. The second book on my list is Tell Me an Ending by Joe Harkin. I also had this book as one of my choices for one of the live events. She's a debut author, and it's a book about memory removal. And it was written in such a way that you really didn't understand what was happening until about midway through the book. And you didn't know the extent of it until the end. So it was like a mystery within to find out all the details about these people and the reasons that they had their memory removed and the reasons that they didn't remember that they had their memories removed. And it was a fascinating look at how your choices can affect everything in your life. So I loved that. The next one is The Paris Apartment by Lucy Foley. And this is an absolutely perfect thriller, in my opinion. It's about a girl who shows up to stay with her brother, and they have been apart for a long time. They each got sent to different foster homes, and she shows up at his Paris apartment, and he's not there. So it's the mystery of what happened to him and how all of the people that she meets are a part of the mystery. And it, it was just so well-written, probably the highest praise I could think of as the best mystery novel of the year, in my opinion. The next one on my list is Drunk on All Your Strange New Words by Eddie Robson. And this is a book that is about a translator, but she's a translator for an alien. So basically, she has to go through this operation that helps her interface 
with the alien, and then it's her job to go with him everywhere and translate for him. And he is then murdered. So it's the story about his murder and how she helps to solve it. Sort of, kind of. That's really good, though. And last but certainly not least, Geek Love by Catherine Dunn. The main character is a little person, and she's raised in a family of circus freaks. And it was probably the strangest book I have ever read, but probably one of the most compelling, because it really illustrates how when you grow up with a certain type of people, what you grow up with is normal. And you don't start to realize how abnormal it is until later in your life. Like I said, it was super strange. The woman who wrote it is now deceased, sadly, because she was an amazing talent. And I would have loved to read more from her. So that's my five. But I did have an honorable mention. And I of don't, course you do. I don't think it's cheating because it's my friend Ron's book. And it's called Group Six and the River by Ron Richard. It shouldn't count, really, because, you know, it's Pat's husband and my friend. So it's just a shout out to how wonderful of a job he did and how much I love him and how much I love Pat. So. Aww. See, I told you it wasn't and, cheating. And Martha was the basis for the main character. Her D&D character, when we all lived in the same town and played Dungeons and Dragons, inspired the lead character in the book. Oh, just my heart. And Pat reads the audiobook, which makes hey. it even better. You so. two need to get a room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. We are going on just a little bit. I'm you know, joking. I'm just giving you a hard time. <laughs> Does that mean me and Keith are allowed to honorable mentions? Sure. Sure. I have sure. an honorable mention I can throw in. My honorable mention, Build Your House Around My Body by Violet Cooper Smith, which does for Vietnamese culture what these other books do for Pakistani or Native American culture. Just suck you in and give you an amazing picture of what the life in somewhere else that I've never visited is like. And my honorable mention, since Pat already broke the rules. <laughs> it wasn't me this time. <laughs> Since we broke the rules before we got to Martha, my honorable mention is The Boy Band Murder by Ava Eldred, which is just the best. I loved every minute of that book because honestly, if anyone's going to solve a murder that may or may not involve a boy band member, it will be their fandom. So that book was very, very true. And there were a lot of things that reference things that I feel like have actually happened, such as hacking security systems in fandoms. So it was not that far-fetched that it could happen. And you just kind of learn about the boy band and the people around them are not always trustworthy and how they deal with that and how to protect themselves and the ridiculous amount of detail that fans know, like who owns what shirt and if who wore it last, because all those things came in to play in that book. Honorable mention that I'm going to do, and I think this was also for one of our live events, is Been There, Married That by Gigi Lavangi. This book was just so sarcastic. And freaking hilarious, even though it deals with divorce and squabbling between exes. For anyone who doesn't remember, it's like between a Hollywood couple. So you got the Hollywood kind of angle on it, too. And I don't know. It was fun. It was like one of those great like cleanser books because I thought it was fantastic. It was kind of not really about very much at all. 
kind of like a Seinfeld episode. And I just loved it. Yeah, a book about nothing. I love that. It's a perfect palate cleanser, especially after some of the freaking torturous books that I read. Because, you know, <laughs> I like to read the torturous books. Yeah. Ones that make you want to curl up in the fetal position in the middle of your shower until the water runs cold. <laughs> <laughs> you could be a little more descriptive. <laughs> Are we going to have Keith add an honorable mention? It's it like, took no. too long for me to get the five. Well, now we know definitively that if you're looking for a book girl who can actually follow directions and play by the rules, you better pick Keith because none of the rest of us are any good at that shit. (laughs) (laughs) Keith has always... I narrowed it down until you went rogue and then I added my sixth one back. I'm telling you, Keith has always been the rock of the rules. She rocks the rules. She knows exactly what we're supposed to do and keeps us all in line. That's hysterical. And we love you. I love you, too. I would not say I'm the rocker of the rules, but for this particular episode, perhaps. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, our lists this year, it was really hard for me to pick. I mean, 20 really incredible books, not just good, because I read a lot of good books this year. But man, the really incredible books. There were a lot of good ones because... I read two Margaret Atwoods and they didn't make my top five. So. See? So, yeah. I yeah. mean, I had to really think about books that I would recommend to people and why in order to get to that final five this year. Yeah. And that's really the main reason I chose them. There are a lot of books I liked better. When you pick a favorite book, it's hard because it's like picking a favorite child. You just can't. They're all so different and so wonderful. True. Very True. But I think we did a good job trying to give people at least some good ideas of things that if they missed hearing about it all year, then they can hop right in. I had four books that I wanted to include on this list that I haven't even reviewed on the podcast yet. So I decided to save those for next year and put them in next year's count. Maybe. You've got most of your next year's list already done. Yeah, I don't think Until so. she reads something else and then she's like, can we have 10 favorites this year? 20. We need 20. And they Ridiculous. just, you guys never go along with me. I don't like the fact that you won't just let me have what I want. Nope. Well, Gotta if you there. at the beginning said, let's pick 10, but see, you say pick five. And then some of us excruciatingly for months try to <laughs> pick five. And then when we get to the show, you're like, but I have eight. But I will put honorable mentions on our Patreon Facebook page. Okay. So now I'm going to do just a quick plug for our Patreon because our Patreon members do get some extra perks. For example, all of the books that we wanted to have on this particular show, but were forced to choose, we will put the others on our Patreon page. Now, in order to be a Patreon member, go to Patreon, sign up, and then you'll get not only the Facebook Patreon group, but you get extra episodes and extras from the show. So it would be a great New Year's resolution to choose to be a three-book girl. And a monthly live call. Oh, let's not forget the monthly live call. Yes, and I promise I'll be on the next one. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'll try to stay healthy. You, you know what would be fun is if people got on our Facebook page and told us their top books of the year and then maybe a book they're excited about for the new year. Oh. 
that's a good idea. Yeah, yeah. that would be fun. So we're, we're counting on our more active book girls on our squad page. And you know who you are, active girls. Get on there and tell us what your favorite reads of the year were and the book you're looking the most forward to reading in 2023. It doesn't have to be a book that is coming out in 2023, just something you're planning to read. That's yeah. a good idea, Megan. Every once in a while, I have those. Yes, you do. I don't know what my first book of the year is going to be. I'm sitting here looking at my bookshelf, really trying to plan it out because I try to like kick it off with something. I'm really I think actually that's a lie. I know exactly which book I'm going to read. I just looked at it on my shelf as I said that I try to pick my first read of the year to be something I'm really excited about. Set the pace, set the tone. Have you seen the commercials for that new thing that they have for nighttime incontinence? And it's like for women Oh, and it's that, a, that really lovey mother-daughter pair. How did you sleep last night, Mom? Yes. Oh, yes. Does anyone think that that thing would be the most uncomfortable thing ever to have in your underwear when what you sleep is at it? night? What? I don't have it's any like, idea. Well, that and, okay, if you put something like the shape of a hot dog in my underwear when I go to bed, it is not going to stay <laughs> where you put it. Because when I roll, that thing's going to shift around and it's not going to do shit anyways. And then you'll just it's wake It's probably going to end up in my sock or something. And then you'll wake up with a wet hot dog in your bed. Exactly. <laughs> Nobody wants that. You put the hot dog uh, in the bun and it snuggles why is, in. Why is grandma spending so much time in bed lately? <laughs> <laughs> And I think she's been talking in her sleep, or at least moaning. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> you could really redo that commercial that's on all the time with, with that's into it. Now, how did you sleep last night, Mom? Better, thank you. <laughs> Grandma's sitting at the breakfast table with a cigarette. It was fantastic. <laughs> Man, that's the best sleep I've had all year. <laughs> Woo! No, daughter, I don't miss Grandpa at all. <laughs> <laughs> what happens if you move? We've gone so far downhill right now. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think for the end of the year, this Thanks, is the perfect Pat. ending, right? And that's gonna do it for Three, Three Book Girls. Can't get enough of Three Book Girls? Check them out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow them on TikTok, YouTube, and check out their website at threebookgirls.com. And join the group. Three Book Girls Tribe on Facebook. If you really love them, share the podcast with a friend or join them at one of their live events. Three Book Girls, a Steel Trap production.